0: now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. A 2021 Stats Canada survey found that 40% of Canadians feel lonely some or all of the time. The Centre for Disease Control in the United States has research that shows loneliness can increase your risk of dementia, heart disease, stroke, and premature death. So that no doubt underscores the importance of creating and maintaining friendships as an adult, Here's the thing. It's difficult. I almost cursed there. I almost cursed there. that That's how difficult it is. I got emotional thinking about it. There are ways you can improve in terms of maintaining and growing friendships and building some new ones. And Laura Bain can offer up some ideas. Hello again, Laura
1: hi dave nice to nice to chat with you again <laughs> yeah. and i i like the way that you set that up because it can be something that we develop and and gain skills at um which is why i recently actually checked out a book uh to learn a little more about friendship. uh i don't think did you mention the name of that no, book? no no
0: I've, I've got it right here though uh, we should get together the secret to cultivating better friendships by kat velos
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I had just sort of identified this issue as well in adult life that maybe friendships weren't coming quite as easily as they had when I was a kid. And, um, you know, kids are really in these ideal environments for cultivating friendships. They're with a lot of people for the um, prolonged periods of time. There's a good mix of people. But as adults, we have to be more intentional because we're not in those conditions. And Velos is a user experience designer, and she said, well, you know, adult friendship really has a user experience issue, um, which I thought was kind of funny. So she identified some uh, elements that are key to developing friendship and i can get into those
0: if yeah, you like. yeah yeah j- yeah jump into them a little bit here because i think you mentioned one that jumped out to me there in terms of when you're a kid you've got all the time in the world right like you've got recess you've got class you've got hockey yeah. practice but you've got all the time in the world to foster a relationship whereas i don't know about you laura but as an adult i don't have a lot of hours during the day to go make new friends
1: No, that's absolutely right. And uh, so frequency is one of those four elements that she identified. So thinking about how easy, like how available is your friend that that you're trying to invest all this energy in, do they actually have time in their life? Uh, Because you are going to need some frequency in order to develop a close relationship. Or you're going to need some intensive time together off the bat, which is why sleepaway camps are such a great place for making making friends. Um, So the emphasis there with frequency is really on quantity over quality and that may sound a bit odd but it is about kind of putting in those hours together so maybe it's something like running your errands together or just doing a quick like 20 minute phone catch up but uh kind of kind of putting in that FaceTime or that, that over the phone time. And then the other element is going to be proximity. And of course that's one that kids have as well. So when we watch sitcoms and we see adult friendship, a lot of times they conveniently live across the hall from one another, or they (laughs) live in the building next door. Um, That's not really real life, but Villos highlights highlights that you might think about making friends with people that live in your neighborhood because people who are within walking distance or an easy commute are going to ultimately make better social supports and you're going to be able to get that frequency in. So think about things like uh, joining a community garden or attending an event at a community center because those are those are going to be the people that are, are within proximity. And it seems obvious, but I had never thought about that when thinking about making friends. Oh,
0: Laura, I, not to cut you off, but but I think about that a lot. As someone who doesn't drive and now lives in probably the sprawliest city in the entire country, I'm only making friends with people who live in East York or North York. That's it, nowhere else. like, yeah. at, least, at least I'm new friends. Like, I will go to the West End to go see my cousin. That's it
1: gotta ask for a zip code when you first meet someone exactly Um. no but like but like
0: like in theory (laughs) making a new friend should be easy right like you Mm -hmm. don't want to be necessarily like it's it's one thing to have an old friend who you've loved forever and like you cherish deeply you will go to the end of the earth for them but if i've only known you for a week i'm not gonna go to mississauga for you
1: No, that's it. And we can maintain friendships over distance with friends that are established, but it is a lot more difficult with a new friend. And all of these are just key elements, but they don't all have to be present. They don't all have to be present like in equal measure, but um, yeah. So another is going to be compatibility and that comes down to chemistry. We can't really control that, but also our shared interests. And that's only important if you're looking to do shared activities with your friends which many of us are Um, and we can have friends who are different from us but there has to be a level of mutual respect so it's okay to have different different values and different you know backgrounds but we need to be able to have respectful dialogue and then the last element is commitment so friendship really runs Mm -hmm. on commitments and um you know velas identified that lack of follow-through is one of the biggest reasons that friendships don't succeed today and I, I think we've sort of have a culture of flakiness or people saying oh i'll be there in spirit at the last minute a oh, lot of us me. have encountered that that, that. is 100 yeah. me and there's reasons that we do that being stretched too thin or having a degree of burnout but on the flip side uh, genuinely
0: genuinely lot... not liking people
1: well, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on the flip side, it makes it a lot more impactful when someone actually does show up. So that's the way that you can deepen a friendship is to um, uh, show caring for someone. And one suggestion that I've implemented, it might sound a little funny, but um, remembering details of people's lives and even setting reminders on your phone. So if someone uh, tells you they have a job interview coming up, set a reminder on your phone to wish them luck that oh. morning or, Yeah. And I had someone do that with me recently. And I feel like it was sort of the moment that we took it from an acquaintanceship to more of a friendship. They checked in on me on a day where I had something happening. And um, it was just really touching. But don't just rely on your, your memory because, you know, if you're like me, you will not remember to do that.
0: I really like that. And that actually sort of rushed a memory into my mind of uh, when I was going for a surgery in 2019. That a friend of mine, who I had not explicitly mentioned the date to her at any time recently, but I had mentioned the date initially, that morning she sent me a note just to be like, hey, I know you're going in for surgery today, you know, like wishing you well. And it's, it's, you're right. I, like, from that moment forward, I was like, Oh, this isn't some casual acquaintance. Like, this mm-hmm. is a friend. Like this is a real friend who who actively took the time to remember, consider and take action.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I like what you uh, said there too about common interests, shared interests, cuz there needs to be a certain common language that you speak with your friends, whether that be about shared interest in music. You know, Alex Smythe was mentioning video games before. I'm a gargantuan football fan, and the fact is a lot of my old, old, old friends don't really care about football. So one of my new things is if I'm gonna make a new friend, you better care about football, because that's what I wanna talk to you about.
1: Yeah, that's been my experience. You know, I I have a couple of friends where we really don't have a lot in common anymore. And sometimes you can look at that and you can still keep those people in your life. You can still maybe touch base with them once a month on the phone. But it's okay to take a step back from those relationships, maybe that we formed earlier on, you know, as kids when it was really all about proximity and look for friendships, you know, where you where you do have more interests in common.
0: Uh, Laura, I do want to pose a question here about uh, the nature by which you might approach a new friend, right? Maybe I have established this football relationship with someone, but now I want to push this thing forward into friendship. What are some of the things that Velos is saying about taking that next step from someone you make small talk with or someone who's an acquaintance to becoming an actual friend friend?
1: Right. Well the key is really about reaching out. And one suggestion, another one that I followed was to make a list of people that you'd like to be friends with and oh. then also make a Yeah. Again it sounds I shouldn't sort laugh. Of,
0: I shouldn't laugh, but it sounds so kind of childish. Like I want you to be my friend.
1: Yeah, exactly. It sounds funny. Make a list of all the excuses you have for not reaching out to that person. And then you just sort of have to do it. And there is a level of vulnerability that's involved. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, especially if you can find something to connect on, like a shared interest, people are receptive. And if they're not, then they're clearly not looking to make friends anyway. And you can just know that and, and move on, which is helpful as well.
0: Laura, dive a little deeper into that vulnerability side, because I think that's one that's probably a bit of a delicate balance. How vulnerable do you want to be the first time you're talking to someone? But being vulnerable is something that can bond you to somebody in a real hurry.
1: Yeah, that's true. And one thing that Velas talks about is really about how deeper conversations are key to developing friendships. Um, And so you want to move away from small talk, which is I think where a lot of relationships sort of go to die and we fear running out of things to say that's common (laughs) and that can happen with small talk because you can only say so much about the weather Um, but learning to ask people follow-up questions um, you know as reporters we sort of have this question tell me more which is really a good one when someone tells you something like oh i i did this thing oh tell me more about that um and yeah being vulnerable ourselves we have a fear of oversharing sometimes but giving a little bit more of a vulnerable answer when someone asks you a question can really Um, can really let them in. So if someone says to you, oh, how was your weekend? Instead of saying good or uh, yeah, great, I went apple picking. You could say something like, yeah, it was good. I went apple picking and that is really meaningful for me because it's something that my family always used to do when I was a kid. But, you know, now I have all of these apples uh, in my kitchen and I have really no idea what I'm going to do with them. And that just opens up the door for so much more conversation than you might've just had otherwise with a kind of limited answer like saying oh good you know yeah you
0: have to be willing to advance the conversation and not turn it into a monologue but advance the conversation i love what you say about asking questions what do you think How did that make you feel? Tell me more. What did you learn from that? I know those questions on paper can sometimes look a little aggressive, but it is a great way to open people up in in these conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Laura, one last thought here on the way out the door. There's a disability slant to this because loneliness and disability, unfortunately, are connected. There's a lot of isolation that goes in into this conversation around friendships relationships disability isolation how would you apply the disability lens to this conversation i already mentioned the inability to drive is a bit of a limiter it is a limitation in terms of fostering and building great relationships especially in a sprawly town how would you apply the lens of disability to this
1: Yeah, I don't envy you that, and I think sometimes we can think about that if we have a choice in terms of where we move. I'm lucky to sort of be in central Halifax, Um, but yeah, I was really reflecting on a lot of the ways that I feel socially disadvantaged as a partially sighted person, the biggest one probably being the inability sometimes to recognize people's faces. Oh my
0: gosh, yeah. (laughs)
1: or even like know who is talking to me. I have gotten better at saying who's like, who is it? But sometimes that can just feel really, really awkward. And I felt bad recently. My partner actually mentioned to me when uh, like he happened to be walking to school with me and he said, oh, someone waved to you from across the street. And I felt so sad because I thought, well, what else else am I missing out on? So I think as people with disabilities, we really have to use all of the advantages that are available to us. And for me, I have found that sometimes moments when people offer assistance can make a real connection point and that goes against my instincts of having to be fiercely independent Mm. so I really need to check myself if someone has offered me some assistance even if it's not needed just not having that knee-jerk reaction of saying oh no thanks I'm fine but using that as an as an opening point or moments where I might need assistance with something and I could rely on technology or other resources. And those things are great. Like, yes, maybe I could reach out to CNIB and get an orientation and mobility specialist to help me learn the route. But I could also consider just asking someone who's who's going to the same place if maybe we could travel together or maybe we could exchange phone numbers so I could uh, reach out to them when I'm on my way. And Mm. that was something I found with the school program I'm in, one of my strongest friendships that I formed was actually um, someone that had offered me some assistance, and there was a, an event, a social event that was planned, and I asked them if they would pick me up, uh, which was felt very vulnerable, because um, you don't want to be a burden, but they were happy to, and it led to uh, an opportunity for making a friend.
0: I'm still struggling with kindness, even with people that are friends or close to me. I I still struggle with that one, too, because of that vulnerability that you're talking about. But there's been quite a lot of psychological academic study that when you ask someone to do a favor for you, that will actually bring you closer together as humans, because people want to do favors. They want to be perceived as kind
1: yeah and you know one thing she also talks about that really struck me was the different types of support we can can give people. And I think I've felt a little bit inadequate sometimes as a friend because I can't always give tangible support, like with helping someone move or going to pick up groceries for someone. But as people with disabilities, we have lots of types of support that we can offer, like informational support um, or, you know, emotional support and just being there to to listen to someone. So remembering that you might be asking someone for a favor to pick you up and travel somewhere together, but you also have have lots of support that you can offer to someone as well, regardless of your ability status.
0: Yeah, I've never said, uh, I've always said, I'm never the person to call when it's time to pop the champagne bottles and celebrate. But when you're having a bad day, give me, give me a call and I'll be the grief eater for sure. Uh, Laura, yeah. thank you for this really thoughtful conversation. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Dave. That is Laura Bain talking all about creating and maintaining adult relationships. Laura's out there in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Coming up after the break, Alex Smythe has some thoughts and questions around Quebec's plan to raise tuition at universities for for out-of-province students. He's going to bring that one to the roundtable. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.